Chapter 33, Deadliest Weapon Made Useless. Amy pushed the colored pencils, her books, and the map of France to the center of the table. She scooted her chair back to see Grandpa better. You know you can stop there, Grandpa, she said. You really have to go on and tell us the next part of the story. Go on, Grandpa, tell us the next part. Mark agreed. Mom's not here yet, and we're done with our assignments for now. We can't go home with Jesus still dead on the cross. So Grandpa put the little cross back in the box, took some other items out, and began. We've celebrated so many Easter's that it's easy for us to take Jesus' resurrection for granted, he said. We all know that Jesus didn't stay dead. We haven't lived for a single minute believing that Jesus is dead. But imagine how Jesus' friends felt after watching him die and before finding the empty tomb. Imagine what gloomy thoughts they must have had. They'd been sure that Jesus was the one whom God had promised. They'd seen him perform miracles. They'd heard him teach about God in a way no one else had ever done. They might not have understood all he came to do, but they were certain that he was the Son of God. But then he died just like everybody else. Only worse, because it was a horrible, painful death, and he was surrounded by mocking enemies. His friends, standing there at the foot of the cross, must have prayed for a miracle. They heard their enemies call out, If you are really the Son of God, come down from the cross! And they thought, You are the Son of God, come down! But nothing happened. The minutes just kept dragging by, with Jesus' suffering growing worse and worse. Finally, his friends must have wished he would die, just so his, so his pain would stop. Just so that it would be over with. And then he did. He died. It was over. And with the end of his life, all their hopes ended too. They buried him and went home. What else could they do? They kept the doors locked because not only were they very sad, they were also afraid. What if Jesus' enemies came after them as well? That Friday and Saturday must have seemed to go on forever to Jesus' friends. Peter and John and his other followers puzzled over it all, again and again. How could this have happened? Jesus had prevented the deaths of so many other people, and he had even raised people from the dead. How could he himself have died? Jesus had calmed storms and commanded demons. If he wasn't God, how could he have done that? But if he was God, how could he have died? Nothing made sense, and life didn't seem worth living. And for Peter, there was an added heartache. Because when Jesus was all alone and on trial, when he was being mocked and beaten and needed a friend, Peter was so afraid that he said he didn't even know him. Grandpa paused. The room was silent. Mark and Amy were caught up in his story, imagining the sorrow and despair of the disciples while Jesus lay in the tomb. Grandpa had taken from his box the same little model of a tomb he had used for the Lazarus story. This time he placed inside a little figure of a body wrapped in grave clothes. He put the stone in the way for the door and set the tomb on top of his box. To the disciples, it certainly seemed that death and Satan had won. Then, early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Peter was startled by a loud banging at the door. 
When he opened it, one of Jesus' friends, named Mary, was at the door, nearly frantic. They've taken Jesus' body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. Maybe Peter became angry, wondering why Jesus' enemies couldn't leave him alone, at least now that he was dead. He and John set out for Jesus' tomb to see what had happened. They ran all the way. As the men drew near the tomb, they saw what Mary meant. The stone that closed up the doorway had been pushed aside, and the tomb stood open. Now tell me, Amy, if Mark and I were to run somewhere, who do you think would get there first? Definitely Mark, Amy replied promptly. I'll bet Grandpa could run pretty fast, Mark said generously. Not for very long I couldn't, said Grandpa. John was young, not quite as young as Marcus, but young, so John could run faster than Peter. John got to the tomb first, but he was a little shy about walking in, so he stopped at the opening. But not Peter. Once he got there, he blew past John and went right on in. John followed him then, and what do you think they saw? Nothing, Mark answered. Jesus was gone. They didn't see Jesus, but they did see something. Grandpa said. They saw the cloths that had been wrapped around him. Now those wrappings were long strips of linen that were wrapped around and around the body. In between the layers were lots of spices, weighing maybe a hundred pounds, and some of the spices were sticky, making those strips of linen cloth stick together and harden. If someone had taken Jesus' body, why would they have gone to all the trouble of removing those wrappings? Why wouldn't they have just taken the body, wrappings and all? Plus, Peter and John saw the cloth that had covered Jesus' face rolled up by itself in a separate place. Why would a grave robber take the time to do that? Maybe Jesus hadn't been moved by someone. Maybe he never really had never really been dead. Maybe he'd revived and walked out on his own. No, that couldn't be, said Mark, because even if he hadn't really died, he would have at least been almost died. He would have been way too weak to work his way out from under all those tight wrappings and heavy spices you're talking about. Plus, how could he have moved such a big stone all by himself, as weak as he would have been? Good thinking, Grandpa approved. Amy had been wriggling in her chair, eager to add her part. And if Jesus was just unconscious and then woke up, it wouldn't make any more sense for him to take time to roll up the face cloth and set it neatly out of the way than it would be for thieves to do it. So, Grandpa continued, when Peter and John saw what they saw, the grave clothes still there with no Jesus inside and the face cloth lying by itself, the Bible says they saw and believed. They weren't sure what had happened or how, but they began to think that something dreadful, something wonderful, sorry, had taken place. And then, of course, that evening they actually saw Jesus. He was alive and well, not just revived and weak and recovering, but risen from the dead, never to die again. Now I want you to think with me for a moment about what was at stake here. What if Jesus had stayed in the tomb? What if he hadn't risen from the dead? Would it matter? Amy suggested hesitantly. Well, death was one of the worst things that happened because of sin. 
You said that in Lazarus' story. So if Jesus had stayed dead, that's one part of Satan's work that Jesus wouldn't have changed. Right, said Grandpa. If Jesus hadn't come back from the dead first, then no one else would ever rise from the dead. But there's something else. The children sat quietly, thinking. Do you remember that Jesus had prophesied his death and his resurrection several times? What if he hadn't risen from the dead? He would have been wrong, Mark said simply. And if he had been wrong about that, what about all the other claims he made for himself? If he said that he was the son of God and that he would rise again, but then he didn't rise, could you believe he was the son of God? Mark and Amy shook their heads no. Grandpa flipped quickly through the pages of his Bible. He found what he was looking for, then said, This is what Paul says about Jesus in the book of Romans. He adjusted his glasses and read, Who was declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection proves that Jesus is God, and if he hadn't been God, would his death have saved anyone? Grandpa paused, letting Mark and Amy consider this. The only reason Jesus' death was worth enough to pay for all the sins of all his people was that it was the Son of God who died, not just some ordinary human. The resurrection is the most important thing in the whole Christian faith, Grandpa said. Take away the resurrection, leave Jesus dead in the tomb, and the whole thing falls apart. Grandpa removed the little figure from the tomb. But as Paul said, and as they sing in Handel's Messiah, but now Christ has risen. He appeared to more than 500 people over the next 40 days. If he hadn't risen, there was plenty of time and plenty of opportunity for his enemies to come up with the dead body. But they never did because it just wasn't there. Then Jesus went up into heaven with the promise to come again. Now tell me, Mark, what often happens to great war heroes when they're done fighting? They receive medals and honors, Mark replied. Yes, said Grandpa. And there in heaven, like the champion warrior that he is in this all-important war, Jesus received the greatest honors. But what do war heroes often go on to do later? Think of Washington and Grant and Eisenhower. Oh, I know. Amy spoke up before Mark could. They become leaders of their country. These guys were all elected presidents. Right, Grandpa said again. And that's what happened with Jesus too. God made him the head of his people, the church. And God put him over all things for the rest of history. He's ruling the affairs of the whole world and making sure that everything that happens is for the good of God's people and for the glory of God. What a champion. Grandpa shook his head admiringly. Satan, sin, death, all defeated in three days' time and by means of his own death. What a wonderful Savior we have. Ephesians 1, 19-23 And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. 
and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all.